I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice first technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Hey there, and welcome to Voice First Health, episode 46. So pleased to have you along for this episode. Today, we turn the tables a little bit. And in fact, I was recently asked to appear on another podcast, the Data Talk Podcast, which is hosted by Mike Delgado. And we talked about all types of scenarios and implications of the intersection of voice technology and healthcare. We actually even get a little bit futuristic and I paint some of my own pictures as well as some pictures of some colleagues and people that I've interviewed on my own podcast about where we're going with this technology. So uh, Mike was really generous and allowed me to share the content of his podcast episode here with you, the listeners of my podcast. So I hope you will enjoy it and without any further ado, Let's get right to it. This is the Data Talk Podcast with Mike Delgado and myself. Enjoy. Hey, friends. Welcome to Data Talk, a show where we talk with data science leaders from around the world. Today, we're talking to Dr. Terry Fisher. He's a physician. He's a professor at the University of British Columbia. He's also the host and founder of Voice First Health Podcast, as well as Alexa in Canada, he is super busy doing tons of things and so excited to have Dr. Terry Fisher with us. How are you doing, Terry? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be here. And if there's one thing you said that's the most accurate out of anything that you said there, it's that I'm busy. So, yeah. I, I'm like, okay, you're a doctor. Like, you're busy enough being a doctor. And then, like, to add to that, you're teaching courses, which is awesome that you're doing that to help, like, the next generation of doctors. And then you're like, as a hobby, you're like leading these, you know, tech podcasts <laughs> around voice and healthcare. And so I was curious, like, how do you do it all? I wish I had an easy answer for that. I don't know. Um, it's, well, I guess the biggest thing that I can say to that is it's just simply, it's, I love it, right? It's a passion and it's a hobby. Um, so all this stuff, yes, outside of my professional practice, my medical practice, um, you know, I, I've gotten involved in this voice technology thing. And the more I learn about it, the more I love it, the more I become uh, enthralled with this technology. And I guess that makes it easier to spend a lot of time. And I do spend a lot of time on it. Um, I've got a young family as well. So, uh, of course, you know. Oh, wow. So my, you're a dad too. I'm a dad. Yeah. So I've got uh, <laughs> my wife and my uh, two kids. And uh, so obviously within all of this, they're the priority too. So I want to make yeah. sure that I uh, I spend time with them. So, but but really to be perfectly honest, you know, when I'm not, focused on my family. Um, I'm working on my hobby, which is voice technology and podcasts and that sort of stuff. So tell me about how did you get interested in voice technology? That's a great question. So um, I would say, first of all, that my my three biggest passions, and I know I've talked about this a little bit already, but is really technology, healthcare, and education. Um, before I did medical school, I did a, a, an education degree. So I became a teacher uh, and then I went into medical school. Um, but it was about, I'd say two to three years ago when, uh, I started first hearing a little bit about voice technology and being a podcaster and sort of a techie at heart, uh, that sort of got me intrigued. And so I started looking into it a little bit and, and actually at that time, um, for example, Amazon Alexa wasn't even yet available in Canada and I'm, I am in Canada, um, in Vancouver. And, uh, so I thought, oh, that's interesting, but I'm uh, yet yeah, I'm still very interested in what Amazon's doing with this technology. So I started to look into it a little bit more, 
And, and I realized that there were hints that it was going to be starting to come to Canada soon. And I thought, huh, this might be a really interesting way to put my passions together of technology, mm-hmm. education, and also healthcare. When I started to think about the healthcare implications of this. And that's when I decided to launch my website. So I started with Alexa in Canada, uh, which is more of a consumer based, but also voice professional based website, which talks about generally what Alexa is all about and what it can do. Um, it's also very applicable to people in the United States, by the way, even though it's called Alexa in Canada. If there are any uh, Canadian slants, then I do try to highlight those. And then as that developed, I um, I launched uh, what's known as a, a flash briefing, which is like a mini podcast that you subscribe to on Alexa. And then with my medical background, I thought, this is, as I started to learn more about it, I thought this is really going to change healthcare. And that's when I thought, okay, now I need to start a mm-hmm. podcast called Voice First Health. And that's how that started. And it's really highlighting anything that has to do with the intersection between healthcare and voice technology. Um, and it, ultimately it was a way for me to combine those three passions, right? Healthcare, technology, and education, because that's kind of what I see as, as what I'm doing with these, with these platforms. So you mentioned, before we get into this, you mentioned that you were a teacher first and yep. then you went to medical school. Tell me about that. That's interesting. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I was in school for a long time and to throw it, to make things even seem a little more crazy, if you want to put it, maybe that, depending <laughs> on how gonna, you, this is not going to surprise me with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, I actually hold four degrees. So I did a, I did a bachelor of science, uh, in, um, anatomy and cell biology and experimental medicine. And then I did a master's of science in, um, sorry, I said that wrong. Bachelor of science in anatomy, cell biology and biotechnology. Then I did a master's of science in experimental medicine. Then I did my education degree and then I did uh, medical school followed by my Whoa. family, family practice residency and my sports medicine fellowship. So I've been, I literally been in school for, for, or was in school for, for decades. So. Yeah. Your, your whole life pretty much. So yeah. Yeah. But it's, wow. it's I mean, not, which is one of the really interesting things. Everybody's got different life experiences and I've been able mm-hmm. to now to bring these together into this, this field, which is you know, it just sort of clicks together. And I, and I, what can I say? It's uh, it's a lot of fun. So when you first um, started looking at Alexa and started looking yep. at voice technology, what were your initial reactions to the type of skills that were available or things that you could do with it? Yeah, I, th- I think the first thing that sort of struck me, and again, it goes back to the education I- idea, is that when it comes to medicine because yeah i mean you can everybody knows you can do you can listen to music you can set timers you can set alarms and all that kind of stuff but i started thinking about it in terms of uh being a tool for education and how somebody can ask the device whatever it is that's on their mind to learn from the device and so whether that is like what are the symptoms of strep throat right Mm. um that's a very basic, basic skill. And that's the sort of thing that I was starting to think about. Another uh, skill that sort of took things a little bit to the next level was a skill put out that can provide you with first aid advice. So, you know, you're chopping up a carrot and you cut mm. your finger. And rather than having to flip through a first aid guide, if you don't know how to take care of it, you can simply ask the device, like, how do I, how do I deal with a cut finger, a laceration? Um, and so those sorts of educational and informational skills, I think were the sort of the first level where it really got me started, you know, I started to think about it. But as I sort of delve into this a little bit more, I realized that it's not just about education because we're, we're now having conversations with these devices. And that brings the, the, um, the available applications to a whole new level, particularly now, recently in the last couple of months that Amazon announced that the devices are HIPAA compliant. 
And so now they can store or oh. begin to store uh, personal health information. So what does that mean? It means that you can now start to use these devices as surrogates for care providers. Meaning, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a skill out there that can give you medication reminders based on your medication schedule. Mm. So one area or one population, one segment of the population that is really finding, finding this beneficial are people that are aging. And there's this whole movement called aging in place where people want to maintain their independence and they want to stay at home. But sometimes that's difficult because, for example, they may forget to take their medication. They may forget when they have appointments. They can become forgetful about various things. Uh, and they need people to remind them about these things and also remind them of what they should be checking as far as their mm -hmm. health goes. Well, now you don't need to rely on your doctor, a care aide. You just put a device in your home and it does that for you. And so these devices, I think, and I believe the way we're going, are going to gradually take on more and more of a role of a care aide, a care provider, uh, somebody who can, somebody, see, that's the way I use the term now, somebody who can, who can um, help take care of you. I think that those are some beautiful examples. And I, I mean, I can certainly see myself using something like that in the future. I mm -hmm. want to get a reminder on something. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I also love the example that you gave around um, getting some information on how to diagnose something. Like, is this something I need to go to a doctor about and trying to like go through some sort of conversation with the bot around my symptoms? Right. Right. Well, here, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to paint a little picture for you, which I think will okay. really kind of, this is, this is not here yet, but I, I truly do not think that we're too far off. So here's a, here's a scenario. So imagine you wake up and you have a sore throat. You don't feel well, you know, something's wrong. Something is just yeah. not right. And so the way it is now, you know, what would we do? Well, we would think, okay, well, now I'm going to have to maybe call my doctor, make an appointment, go on in. Maybe I'll have to call into work sick, maybe make arrangements for my kids, get in the car, drive to the doctor, blah, 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 get a history taken. Maybe the doctor does a throat swab, says, yeah, looks like you might have strep throat. I'm going to send you out to the pharmacy. You get your drugs. You go home and check in if things go go bad, whatever. It's, it's quite an ordeal. When you're feeling yeah, sick, probably right. all that stuff is the last thing you want to do. So let's imagine, though, you're, we're just a little bit further in the future. And what happens is you wake up and your voice assistant says good morning to you. You say good morning. And just by the tone of your voice, it can tell that something's not right mm. because it knows your voice. And we can come back to that. It's a very fascinating area called vocal biomarkers. But we can come back to that. But um, so it starts to ask you questions like, how are you feeling? And you say, you know what? I'm actually not feeling that great. I've got a sore throat. I'm shivering. And it starts to ask you sim about symptoms, just like your physician does. So you go through that and using some algorithms, some AI and the natural language understanding, it gives you a sort of a probability. It says, you know what, based on what you've told me, there's a high probability that you have strep throat. How would you like it if I were to order a strep test to your home and have it delivered right now? So you go, sure. Mm. So what it does, this is where it ties into Amazon. I think Amazon's brilliant here, quite frankly. So if this is with Amazon, so it automatically orders a strep test. Drone Amazon, you got it. A drone lands at your home. You pick up the strep test. Now, the strep test is Wi-Fi enabled. It's a smart test. Oh. So it automatically taps in to your home Wi-Fi network, and you do the test, and your voice assistant talks to you and tells you how to do it. Okay? You do the strep test. It then analyzes it. It gives you the results, and it says, yes, you have strep throat. You need some antibiotics. Now, I know from our previous interactions that you're allergic to penicillin. I already know that because I know your personal health record. 
And so I'm not, we're not even going to bother asking about questions about that because we, we, it will be efficient. But I'm going to, um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to order some antibiotics now for you. We're going to have those delivered to your home. Fantastic. So a little while later, another drone drops off your antibiotics. You go to your front door, you pick them up, you start taking them, and your voice assistant starts talking you through the scenario when you need to take your antibiotics. It asks you how you're feeling. It asks you key questions that a physician might want to keep track of as you're getting mm. better, watching for any complications. And if there are any complications, it alerts you to them. Maybe it alerts your physician and it tells you what to do. That's kind of one of the scenarios wow. that I can see. Oh, I love that. That That's brilliant. That's so. brilliant. Well, so tell me, okay, so from the, so from my end, I think that this is amazing. Like times, mm -hmm. it saves you time. You're right. You're feeling, not feeling good. Like all the stuff you have to do right now to even yeah. get the medicine that you need, um, to have that all done at home in the comfort of your home. And then the benefit of having a bot checking in right. on you and reporting right. back to a doctor, like how you're doing. Um, I love that. So tell me about like from the doctor's perspective, how that would work. Like, you know, as you, as you're a doctor and let's say you have a yep. patient who's doing, doing that, how would, how, what's your reaction to this? It's, it's a very, very, very good question because, uh, you know, I've talked to other physicians about this and they're like, well, who's responsible for this? Who's making the diagnosis? Like who's like, is, is Alexa responsible for your medical care? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't have a clear answer for this right now, right? But my some of my thoughts on this is that there are lots of applications out there, not, not necessarily voice applications, but lots of applications that can provide medical care now, whether it's through telemedicine or through some type of chat bots on the messaging system. But at the, you know, at the at the top of the the, the food chain there, there is somebody, there's a there's a physician behind it, there's a hospital behind it, there's a company behind it. And if they are producing these applications, and just like the way you would be producing this type of skill or action for a voice bot, somebody at the top of the line has to have done the research and has to have ensured that what they're that what they're doing and what the advice they're giving you is evidence based. So based on research, based on probability, based on symptoms, it's got to be very soundly based on data, right? Mm -hmm. And if I'm a doctor, if I can be confident that what this is is providing the type of information is writing is based on the same type of data, the same type of papers that I would be using to make my own clinical decisions in my office, then I'd be more comfortable doing that. Now, ultimately, somebody's going to have to be responsible for that. So like I say, is it going to be a doctor who produces this skill? Is it going to be a hospital who produces this application? But I think that's going to ultimately be what, what it comes down to. The interesting thing also is that as a physician, there's oftentimes in my clinic, where I assign a task to a nurse. So the nurse may go and do some wound care and that nurse may then say to the patient, you know what, I want you to come back next week because I want to check on this wound. So I'm not actually seeing that patient that next time around, the nurses, but because I've assigned that task as a physician, I'm ultimately responsible for that. Mm. Now, sure, there are some similarities, but there are also some differences. But I have to think that when we look at a voice assistant, is it that much different hmm. if I assign the task of talking to my patient than from assigning the task of my nurse talking to the patient? So these are lots of questions and I don't have any clear answers, but I yeah, think those yeah. are some of the ways, some of the thoughts that I'm having about that. That's good. Now, um, so I'm thinking about how like sometimes the worst thing I can do is go to WebMD. It's, mm -hmm. like, it's like the worst thing I could do because 
all of a sudden every symptom that's me i have this horrible disease you know um and and when i go to a doctor sometimes unfortunately some of those symptoms i read doctors are like are you feeling this and i'm like oh i know what he's getting at yes yes but yeah. usually the doctors are smart enough to realize no you don't <laughs> you don't have that like they yeah. like comfort me in the office um so I, i'm so what's your thoughts on like uh, these bots as they're like they're trying to analyze the situation, diagnose you. Yeah. Um, but at this point, especially in the early stages, they're not going to be human. Like you as a, right. as a doctor, like if you saw me in your room, like you'd be able to d detect things about my personality. Maybe, you know, that I'm prone to being scared and, you know, thinking that I have every disease possible, you know, my, you know, um, and, and also, you know, that you could read me, like you could read my behavior. Yep. And the bot at this point, especially in the early stages, it's just going to go off what it hears. So yes. Um, again, that gets back to that whole idea of vocal biomarkers, and we'll come back to that again. But what you're getting at here is the idea of a false positive, meaning, right, somebody says something yeah. that they think is accurate, but it's it's actually, as far as a physician, I'm wondering, like, is that positive statement meaning, meaning is it present? Is the symptom present? Um and sometimes, yes, it's a false positive. And you're right. When I see a patient, I can certainly read the emotion. I've also got history with that patient. Mm -hmm. So I kind of know, like, does this person tend to, you know, yeah. emphasize or slightly exaggerate symptoms or that sort of thing? Right. Um, so, you know, I have two thoughts about that. One is that, generally speaking, healthcare with technology, it moves very slowly because we tend to be conservative and because there's so much at stake. And so I think if we were to move ahead with this type of scenario, like I talked about, um, I think that having false positives wouldn't be such a bad thing in, in terms of we want to be erring on the side of being more conservative and more mm -hmm. cautious. And then if that were to be the case, then defer that to the actual physician to make that call. Um, I'd much rather go that way then yeah. somebody talked to a bot and the bot, um, um, what's the word? Doesn't, you know, doesn't take a symptom seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And then something gets missed. Yeah. Um, I guess that's, I guess that's my other concern too. Cause like, so me and my wife are opposites. Yeah. Like I will, <laughs> I will probably exaggerate cause I don't feel good. I'll be like, Oh my, like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. My wife, <laughs> on the other hand, my wife, on the other hand, she's like, she minimizes everything. And I'm yeah. like, you need to go see a doctor, sweetie. And she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm like, no, no, you need to see a doctor. And she like waits the very last minute. And so my other fear is like, the, I guess the opposite. But when, yeah. What you're getting at yeah. is like, they need to see a doctor, but they're going to minimize it to the bot and they think that they're okay. I, you know, I think that uh, the more we can move towards objective measurements with vital signs and that sort of thing, IOT devices and medical devices, which I think we're going to see more and more of that in the home, that does take some of that subjectivity out of it. But the other aspect of it is, you know, being able to know how to, how to ask the follow-up questions to sort of determine really, is this a problem or not? Mm -hmm. For example, uh, you know, as a sports medicine physician, I see lots of people with knee problems and a very common knee injury is an ACL tear. So they tear one of the ligaments in their knee. One of the questions I like to ask for that is, do they have instability in their knee? Because if somebody has a torn ligament, often the knee does feel very unstable. Now, the problem is patients sometimes don't truly understand what I mean by that question. When I say, do you have instability in your knee? Yeah, and some right. people might say, yeah, I do. 
Um, but they just mean in their mind, they're, they're thinking, yeah, I have instability because sometimes when I walk, uh, my knee just kind of gets sore and I kind of like, kind of just mm -hmm. my, my, my muscle doesn't fire and it sort of feels like it's falling mm -hmm. in my mind. I'm thinking about truly a mechanical unstable knee where it is just buckling from underneath them. So typically what I will do is I'll ask a follow-up question. If they say, yeah, my knee's unstable. Then I'll say, well, okay, that's, that's fine. Do you trust your knee? Would you run up a flight of stairs and not give it a, a second thought about what you're giving out on you. And in that case, I find that patients will mm. then say, oh, well, no, I couldn't do that. And that's real telling to me. Or they might mm. say, well, yeah, it's unstable, but now nah, I got no problem running upstairs. And so I think the follow-up question is very important in this. And that certainly comes from experience as a physician. And that's going to come from, I think, from experience as we start to see the interactions that people have with the voice bots what kind of questions are people responding in the affirmative to? And how can we then ask those questions in a more uh, specific way? Or how can we ask follow-up questions to get really to the root of what we're trying to find out? Yeah, no, that's, that's good. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I like the fact that you brought up like um, the other devices in your home that could also be feeding in uh, the health data. Because you're, you're talking about like maybe you're not going to the refrigerator as much to get right. fluids, right? So there's like all these other things. You're not going to the restroom like you used to, or maybe you're going more than you right. used to. And right. these are all data points. They're all data points. And you know what's interesting is a lot of the voice devices can start to do this. They can actually pick up the sounds of you opening your refrigerator and closing it, or the sound of you mm. flushing the toilet. And so even just the voice device can actually start to get a real sense of the normal um, schedule of, a, of you being healthy in your home and how often you do these various functions. So that's a very, and, and so just simply not even having another device, but just having the yeah. voice device, that itself can, can um, carry a lot of information. But then we get into the whole issue of, do you want a voice device listening to every single thing that's going on in your home? Right. Which is another right. whole area. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, I wanna ask you about the vocal biomarkers. Uh, before I get there, are there any, um, ethical areas you're concerned about or things where you think this might, this data could be exploited? That's another great question. So there's actually uh, some um, discussions going on and there's some people that are specifically studying the ethics of voice technology because there's lots. There's, for example, um, some bots, that, I mean, this is just one example, but if a bot is going to address you by your name to make it more personal, seems like a simple thing. Yeah. But actually then you get into the question of where did that bot get your name? Is mm. that, you know, where did it get that data from? Who owns the data? So if a physician, another example, a physician has a bot in their office, potentially listening to your encounter with the patient and taking notes for you in your medical chart. Right. Right. Who owns that data? And what happens if the physician is just sort of verbalizing some thoughts out loud, but doesn't necessarily want that part of the medical record but the mm -hmm. bot is listening. Where does that data go? Mm. Is that part of the medical record? So there, there are actually a lot of new sort of issues that are coming up. And again, this is one of these areas, there are no correct answers right now. This yeah. is something that's gonna have to be looked at over time. And But I think it's very important that we do have these discussions early so that as this, as the technology evolves, as best as we can, we're prepared for these discussions and and, and have them. Yeah, no, that, that raises a lot, yeah, a lot of interesting things, especially like, yeah, those uh, confidential conversations with the patient, like they don't want any of that information on a bot or even in a notepad. Yeah. And, and at the same time, that's, I can tell you, one of the things that physicians would 
die for. Like this is the holy grail of what you could do for physicians. And I know that there are a number of companies that are working on this. I've interviewed a couple of them on my podcast is having a bot, a voice assistant, a device in the office that listens to the interaction between a physician and a patient and automatically charts the encounter. So it takes notes for you, pulls out the, the relevant part using the natural language processing and the understanding, and then it records it in the chart because the amount of time that physicians are spending these days on charting uh, mm. and the electronic medical health records, it's actually one of the big sources of physician burnout. Um, and so physicians want this very, very much so. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. You got to balance that with the with the privacy and our patient's going to be okay with that. Yeah. So yeah, I see both sides like on one side, like there's that safety of like, okay, we have something that's actually recording everything. Mm -hmm. So the patient can feel more secure. Like even if the doctor's not listening, the bot's recording it and mm. I'm getting everything that I need out there. So I feel protected. Like, Hey, I told the doctor yeah. this, but the doctor didn't care, but the yeah. bot recorded it. So at least I'm protected there. Yeah. And, the, and the other end of the scale, it's, it's, I don't want anybody knowing this. Um, I don't want you writing this down in your chart. I'm just sharing with you in confidence. Um, and, you know, I don't turn off the bot. You know what I mean? And that, that may be the option, right? The option might be like the doctor goes in and says, hey, look, I've got this bot that can record our conversation um, and, and chart my note for me. Is that okay? Or are we turning it off? Yeah. Um, and that may be the way that we end up going, right? At least given the option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and a couple uh podcast episodes, we talked a little bit about mental health in bots. Mm. And I, 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 you know, I chat with one and, but I keep it very, very generic because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't know who owns the app. I, I'm playing with it and I find it useful for like helping me relax and things like that. But I'm, but I'm very generic because I'm like, I don't know where the data is going. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and so that, and that, that actually ties into that whole vocal biomarker thing again, when it comes to voice, because, um, Maybe I can explain a little bit about that because this is actually yeah, an area yeah. that, I, that I'm completely Tell, I never even heard that. I never even heard this term. Okay. So this, I'm completely fascinated by this. Um, vocal biomarkers. So here's the best way I can describe this. I'll give you an example. When my son comes home from, actually, no, let me take a step back. When you take digital photographs, a lot of people are familiar with digital photography. You can capture what's known as metadata. So for those people that don't know, metadata is all the extra information that's captured beyond just the photograph. So things like, um, you know, the camera model, the shutter speed, the aperture setting, the GPS location of where you are when you took the photo, there's, there's tons of data that can be captured. Okay. So the thing is when you speak, there's a lot of data that can describe how you're speaking. Hmm. And that's sort of what this term vocal biomarkers refers to, because like, here's the example I was going to give you. So if my son comes home from school and I say to him, Hey, how was school today? And he says to me, it was great. Okay. Yeah. It's got a meaning. Yeah. And the next day if he comes home from school and I say to him, how was school today? And he says to me, it was great. Okay. Exact same words, completely different meaning. And so how do we know really like objectively, how do we know that those two statements had completely different meanings? Yeah. And of course the answer is the way it was said, it's like the, the speed, the intensity, the frequency, the rhythm, all of these other pieces of speech that are not actually the content or the words that you're speaking. So what can you do with that? Well, if you know those different um, parameters of speech, and if you can feed them all into a computer, which you can, and you can use AI and machine learning to figure out patterns in your speech, now, all of a sudden, 
you can have a bot that can detect these changes in speech or the vocal biomarkers. And so what does that mean? So what can you do with that? Well, the Mayo Clinic, uh, they did a study with a company in Israel and they had people that were going in for coronary angiograms. So imaging of the, of the blood vessels around the heart mm. to see if there were blockages in the heart. And what they did was they had people simply read some statements, okay, in different ways. Okay. And then they went and they had these coronary angiograms. And then they looked and they said, well, let's look at how many of these people actually had blockages in these vessels. And let's compare it to the way they spoke. And they found that there is a statistically significant correlation between the way someone speaks and the risk of having coronary artery disease. Really? I would never think. Yeah. No, who that's fascinating. Someone even thought of that. Yeah. And, and I looked at them and I'm like, so I talked to them and I said, you got to explain it. Like how does that work? Yeah, like, yeah. What's going on there? And then they said, well, we have some hypotheses right now, but we're studying it. One of them is that we're actually wondering if the coronary artery disease is actually affecting their vocal cords as well. Or the other thought is, is it affecting one of the nerves that controls your speech, your vocal cords? So that was one study. Then there was another study that they looked at people with um, congestive heart failure and they had them to just had them describe uh, an experience. So they just described an experience in their own voice. And then they followed these people over time. And after, I can't remember what the time frame was, but after a certain number of time, they went back and they looked and they, they, they checked the, 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 the death records and they checked the stats and they looked at how many of these people had passed away. And then they looked at that and they, they come and then they went back to the speech um, that they had of these people and they found a correlation between the way someone spoke and their risk of dying. That is insane. Absolutely insane. Whoa. And, and so as a result of this, they are studying many diseases now and, and comparing it to the way someone speaks. And that is a vocal biomarker, meaning, meaning that the way someone speaks can be monitored and can actually start to give you some insight into their diseases that's going on in their body, their risk of certain diseases, their risk of dying potentially. And on top of that, the devices can also start to detect changes in your intonation that may indicate that you're becoming depressed or anxious. It can also um, detect changes in the cognition. So it can detect if there are changes in the way you're thinking and the way you're speaking, mm. which might indicate Parkinson's, Alzheimer's mm. and so on. So I actually believe that going forward, our voices are going to become the most valuable vital sign that we have to physicians wow. more important than blood pressure, or maybe not more important. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but just as important as blood pressure, heart rate, respiratory rate, temperature, your voice is going to be telling. And when you have an, an, a, a, a bot, a voice assistant, a smart speaker in your home, listening to what you're doing and how you're speaking it will be the first trigger that catches if something is going wrong in your body. Mm. So yeah, as, you're as you're sharing, I was just thinking about, Oh yeah. Like I'm thinking of like things like things like dementia and Alzheimer's. Like if you're asking certain questions over and over again, like Absolutely. it would be, be a signal, like something, yeah. something's going on. You need yeah. to get checked out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So and it also doesn't get tired of that. The care care just as an aside caretakers often can become, you know, it can become tiresome for them to answer the same question over and over again. Whereas if it's a bot, truly, like the bot doesn't care. You can ask right, it as many right, times right. as you want. And it can actually be quite comforting to the person. Wow. Wow. That's fascinating. I'm thinking like 
from, from a safety perspective, and as you're talking about ways that voice can help, you know, diagnose issues, problems, I'm thinking about like, let's just say, I'm thinking about as I get older and let's say that I lived alone, yep. like the comfort of having a bot there, like if I pass out, maybe have a heart attack or a stroke yep. and I'm alone, yep. like the bot would be able to know, oh my gosh, Mike's home. I haven't heard him. He's in the kitchen somewhere. He dropped potentially and he's not, he hasn't moved. That's, yeah, that's a great, great example. Exactly. Because if it is listening, it knows your normal sort of behaviors, knows your movements. It knows your schedule potentially. It knows your calendar and it sees as, hmm, there's nothing on the calendar now. I've certainly heard Michael around the home and all of a sudden there was a crash and then there's been no sound for the last two minutes. It could start talking to you. Hey, Michael, what's going on? Are you okay? Are you okay? If it doesn't get a response, maybe it calls 911 for you, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's uh, amazing. I, I, I'm looking forward to. I mean, obviously, like there's like all these um, there's all these ch challenges and questions and ethical things that have to be worked out. But the benefits from a medical side and uh, safety side, there's a lot of benefits there. Absolutely, absolutely. And so you know, the, the, the privacy thing, it's. It's hard to know which way that's going to go. I tend to think that the sort of the younger generation now, I actually think that privacy is not so much of an issue to them as it has been for an older um, population. So much is out there now already on social media. Um, and I tend to think, and this is more anecdotally than anything, just from chatting with people that are younger, that they would be willing to give up their privacy for some of the benefits of this technology. Yeah, no, I hear that. I mean, I, I'm like listening in to what you're saying and I'm like, yeah, I would, I'm open to that because I want to be protected. I'm thinking about, as you're talking about uh, vocal biomarkers for the health side, I'm also thinking about just from like uh, domestic abuse, like things mm. going on at home, like raised voices, potential abuse that is being captured by these bots. The bots know that something's not right. There's a child being hurt. Yeah. Wow. That's a really interesting, interesting concept. Again, that raises up a lot of ethical issues, right? Like, can you use a, a bot and would that be used uh, in court um, yeah. and that sort of thing? And I know there's actually been some court cases where um, some of the recordings of Alexa have been subpoenaed by by lawyers um, to see if it hurt anything. Um, so, you know, that's very, very, uh, it's a slippery slope. I, I And again, that's one of the areas. I don't have all the answers. Right, right, right. Um, no one does. Uh, no one yeah, does. Yeah. It's like everyone, we're just like, now there's all this new technology and all these, now we have questions like, right. what do you do with that? Like it's, yep. it has this data. There's a court case about potential domestic abuse, child's hurt, spouse's yep. hurt. Yep. And they need proof. Yep. And the proof is there, but how do you, you know, are you allowed yeah. to use it? And whose bot was it? Was it the husband's? Was it the wife's? Right. Whose name was it registered under? How does that change things? I mean, there's a lot of questions. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. So, uh, so, yeah. so, so tell me about your, tell me about your, uh, your show. It was so, cool. When I, when I went to your website, uh, and for those listening to the podcast voiced, I'm sorry, voicefirsthealth.com is the place to check out voicefirsthealth.com. When I was scrolling through, I started looking at these episodes. I was like, wow, you got some amazing people uh, on your show. Are there, are there any specific shows that you were like, you walked away going, wow, that was, that was really, really good. I, I got to listen to that one again. Yeah, you know who I would um, recommend your your if 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 your listeners, your viewers um, are at all intrigued by what I'm saying, 
there's a guy you have to follow. I'm a big fan of him. I think he's absolutely brilliant. His name is Brian Romley. Okay. I'm going to spell the last name. It's R-O-E-M-M-E-L-E. Okay. Brian Romley. He is known as the Oracle of Voice. I've mm. had the opportunity to interview him um, a couple times on both of my podcasts. Um, and he's been studying this stuff. This has been his life for, for a number of decades, way before anybody else was. Mm. And he is a technologist. Um, he's a futurist. But one of the most amazing things about this man is that he assimilates knowledge. He's a, he's a, he's a learner. He just he assimilates knowledge from all different disciplines, whether it be psychology, medicine, um, physics, computer science, mm. uh, anthropology, history. And he, he puts this all together in, and then presents these ideas of where voice technology is going to take our society. And I'm going to give you, I'll give you an example of one of the things he talks about, which, which actually sent chills down my spine. And I said that on my podcast. I remember that when he was describing this and it's the idea of a personal voice assistant, something that he calls the last interface. And mm -hmm. these are Brian's words, but he calls it the last interface because we've, we've been interfacing with computers now for, for a number of decades. First, it was through a keyboard, then through a mouse, through a touchscreen, a smartphone. But those, those all have required physical devices for us to communicate with the computer. But this is the first time really where we don't need a physical advice, physical device. We are just talking in our most natural way uh, mm -hmm. uh, to a computer. So the computer is adapting to us. So he calls this the last interface, the way that we're going to speak to computers. But here's the point. He believes that we are going to get to a place where, where our voice assistants really get to know us personally. And so you're going to have a personalized experience with each one of these devices. They're going to get to know your personality. They're going to get to know what you like, what you don't like, the way you speak, the, the, your hobbies, your passions, things about your life just from interacting with it. And then imagine, because kids now are growing up talking to these devices. So I'll paint a little scenario for you again here. This is Brian's, Brian's scenario. So imagine a child growing up with one of these devices yeah and they're talking to their device throughout their life and uh and that that child grows up and get you know becomes an adult and has their own kids and now that family is growing up together and they're each talking to their devices and that child is getting older getting to their teens and their 20s and they're this child is now dating a partner and they're thinking about getting married and then tragedy strikes and the parent is is killed in an accident or something mm -hmm. like that there has now been however many years of data that this voice system has been collecting on this parent for however long it's been 30 years 35 years and the child is getting married now and the child goes to the voice assistant and says hey i wish that my dad or my mom were around i'm getting married i'm just wondering you know what would they've said to me on my wedding day Mm. And the voice assistant has 35 years of data to base wow. this on. And it either says to the child, this is what your dad would have said. Or at least, you know, this is what I believe your dad would have said. And this was his story of his own wedding. And this is what happened to him. And this is your family's history. And this is what your dad would have Or even bet, or even, well, better or worse, however you think about it. It may answer in that person's voice. Because oh. we already have the technology to mm. synthesize voices that, that sound like our own voices. And so it may actually, whether it answers in the first person and says, hey, son, this is what it was like when I got married and I'm thinking about you and that kind of stuff. So mm. that like it literally is going to provide an opportunity as these devices get to know us where you can have conversations with people that are no longer with us because there's so much data on them. And then 
maybe, maybe, you know, just to stretch this out, maybe it's that you actually want to talk to somebody like Albert Einstein and this, you know, now, now obviously he hasn't been there recording this, but you know, somebody like that, or, you know, however many down, you know, many years down the road, you want to talk to the latest mind or thought thinker, or I don't know, Jeff Bezos, yeah. you want to talk to the most richest guy in the world. And what would he think about this? And you could have a discussion with him because it's, he's choosing how much data he wants to share with the world out of his own experiences. And those are the sorts of things that, that Brian is, is foreseeing. And it's, Boy, it it makes me think of that the show on um, Netflix, Black Mirror. I don't know if you've I've, seen I that, but it's what he's talking about. It <laughs> I've not so, seen it. So it's it's these sort of sci-fi scenarios, and there's one that's sort of it, it, it sort of along these lines. But mm -hmm. um, I just I just find that fascinating that we're going to be able to have those kind of interactions through a device that personally knows us and will be able to take knowledge from people that aren't even here and share them with us. Yeah, that that is uh, oh, it's an emotional story you just shared because I'm yeah. like, oh, man, I could see that just how how healing that could be yep. for somebody to actually have that connection with yep. somebody who passed a loved one and be able to like hear their voice again, yeah, and, and for it to call up stories and things and even like you know these audio diaries of just like things that your dad did or someone you loved did, right? Um, like what? that could be a very beautiful way to kind of have that, um, yeah. that person around still. Yeah. Through voice. So that's it. So if, if that story intrigues you or any of your listeners, definitely like if there's one podcast that I would suggest you listen to, um, just go to the website, voicefirsthealth.com and search for Brian Romley on there. And you'll find that podcast interview that I did with him. So, mm. By the way, have you seen that movie, her? Yes. Yes. So, you know, there's some similarities there, right? So for yeah. those that haven't seen it it's, it, it's basically that. It's like a voice bot, um, and this guy develops a relationship with it. Um, it's I don't want to give away too much of it, but you know, there's some similarities there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting too. Like you can you can think about like what what a what a, a parent pass on a bot to their child, because like, the bot huh. is parent and like yeah. hey, now I get to know my son and the. The bot can be there to like kind of share wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, 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 that's just it. It wouldn't that be interesting. You can start to, I mean, you can start to let your imagination run wild here. So imagine you have like your dad's bot and your mom's bot. And as generations go on, yeah. Grandfather, you've got, you've got your grandfather. And it's like, you're starting to like assemble your family of bots. And it yeah. seems so crazy to like when I'm saying that, but on yeah. the other hand, it's not so far fetched either. And, um, it's uh, you can imagine sitting around a dinner table with a, like a family of bots and having dinner and having like a discussion with your family. Yeah. That is it's no a, longer there. It's amazing to think about. I mean, you think about your family tree. If yeah. you have recordings of your great, great, great grandparents, like what life was like back then. Yeah. Like the amount of stuff you would learn about your family and like, Oh, I'm just like, you know, my great, great grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just mind boggling what the potential is for this and where we're going with it. It's um, yeah. Tremendously exciting. So you can see why I'm passionate about the stuff and why I love spending time with this. It's just it's so interesting just to learn about and, and to think about and to be a, be a little bit of a futurist and kind of try to see where we're going with this. Yeah. No, I, I love it. Um, friends check out voicefirsthealth.com to follow Dr. Terry Fisher and uh, his various episodes with uh, different futurists and people that are developing voice technology, especially in the 
healthcare space because it is uh, what a fascinating area that you're studying, Dr. Fisher. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really fun. So, thanks so thanks again so much for having me on the podcast. It's uh, and your and your show. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Dr. Fisher. Well, there you go. A big thanks to Mike for having me on his podcast and allowing me to share the audio with you. I had a lot of fun. And as you can see, that last, probably the last half of that podcast where we talked about different scenarios is stuff that really gets me excited for the future. Will that stuff come to fruition? I don't know, but it's very intriguing to think about. And also really to think about a lot of the ethical uh, dilemmas that I'm sure we're going to be facing if this comes closer and closer to our reality. Thank you again for tuning into the podcast here on voicefirsthealth.com. You can access show notes and links to the various resources at voicefirsthealth.com slash 46. Until next week, have a great week and I'll talk to you very soon.